Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. But I thought what we'd do before, we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Very critical verses, very popular verses. You're very familiar with these verses. Let's do a little review since it's been a few weeks since we've been here, because I want us to be aware of where, where this is coming from. So chapter 2, verse 1 begins with, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, working together with one mind, one purpose. Remember, there's some tension going on. There's some people coming in, trying to split what's happening, trying to fame Paul's teaching, so to speak. So he says, here's what I want you to do. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, that's a pretty good direction, isn't it? So now, Having said that and having said that, he comes to this classic passage. We're going to look at it tonight. It begins with, look at your attitude. Look at your attitude. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, notice, it's not should, it's must. So, this is not an option. If you're going to do what Paul wants you to do, if you're going to follow his leading, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, let me just be very clear in case you aren't aware of it. Everyone has an attitude. Okay? Christ, we're told in that verse, had an attitude, didn't he? Our attitude is to be like he had. So, Let's just start where we know our attitude is not here yet, is it? No. For some of you, it's… You have an attitude. It can be good. It can be horrible. It can be what you want it to be. Your attitude is your choice. And so… We're going to learn what this attitude was like. That's what these next few verses are going to do. Now, understand, your attitude's important. Why? People respond to your attitude probably more than they respond to your words. I mean, I have said some very nice things to my wife, and she says, I don't like that attitude. (laughs) I I can't understand it. I don't know how that happens. I know, I, I, you know… What I said was wonderful. (laughs) But the attitude comes across, doesn't it? And so he begins this with saying, look, don't do this, do this, make sure you do this, love, consider, do all of that. And he says, now, let me help you understand what I'm asking you to do. Your attitude should be the same one that Christ Jesus had. So he's going to look at that, and we're going to look at that, because every day I have to be aware of my attitude, what it is. You can have an attitude, and people can know it without you saying anything, right? Right? Someone walks into a room, they haven't said a thing, but already you're going, ooh. And many times we're just not aware of what our attitude is and what it's saying to people without us saying anything. So he begins, says, look at your attitude. Your attitude should be the same. No, 
your attitude must be the same that Christ Jesus had. Secondly, let go of your rights. Attitude is often connected to what you think you deserve. Notice what he says, verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Though he was God, he didn't think he had to stay like God. So he let go of what was due him. He let go of things. Let go of what you think you deserve. Let go of what you think other people owe you. Well, I don't deserve to be treated like this. Let go of that. He did not think that he deserved to be where he was. He didn't have to cling to it. Nobody owed him anything. Nobody owed him respect. Why, they should respect me. No one owes you respect. Well, my time's more valuable than that. No one owes you. Well, thank you would have been nice. No one owes you. The attitude is, no matter what happens, I don't have to be recognized and I don't have to have a position or a title that will define me because I'm due it and I owed it. There's a lot of people in life who think life owes them something. There's a lot of people who think other people owe them something. And when you do that, you don't have the attitude of Christ. He was willing to set aside who he was to, to come down here. So let go of your rights. We live in a rights-conscious society. I have my rights, you know. When you become a Christian, you surrender all of your rights. They're gone. And you let it go. Nothing? Okay. Now, not only did he let go of his rights, once he did that, he purposely lowered himself. So what do you do? You lower yourself. You let go of what you think other people owe to you. You let go of a position that you think you are entitled to. You let go of whatever it is you think you deserve. And not only do you let that go, but then you take another step and you lower yourself. Verse 7, instead, he let go of that, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now, from being at the very top of the food chain, the creator of everything, the commander of the army, the one who's in charge of it all, to come down and become us, that's going pretty low. That's a big step, isn't it? Well, I've given up my rights and I've humbled myself a little. Oh no, you've got to humble yourself a lot. So, he was born in here. And then it says, when he appeared in human form, 
He, he came down. He, he gave up his privileges. He, he let it all go. And then he took a step down. It says there, he became a slave. Now, that's a disgusting term to us today. And you think, well, we shouldn't use that term. Oh, yeah, use every bit of it. Because that's exactly what we become. You get rid of everything you think you're, you deserve. You get rid of all the things. Because how many people in the church and how many Christians have gotten hurt or offended because somebody looked at them wrong? Because somebody, well, I walked by them and they never said hello to me. Well, they said this and they should have never said that. Well, they should have never said that and you should have never acted like that. Happy New Year. <laughs> he had a right to rule, but he chose to serve. He had the right to be in charge, but he chose to be bossed around. He had a right to give orders, but he chose to take orders. He let go of his privileges, he became humble. Whoever is the greatest among you must become the least, he said. Now, humility back in this time is a Christian term. In the Greek language, the Greeks don't even have a word for it because it was no value to them. Humble yourself? Come on, no. The Romans thought the concept was horrible. You don't do that, you'll get killed. You gotta exalt yourself. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta do what's right. And thus we still have that today, don't we? A lot of people think, this is who I am, this is what I deserve. You treat me right, you do this, you do what I say, you act. But that's not what Christians do. We follow Christ. He was God, He became man, He set aside all of His privileges. And he took a step down and became a slave, a servant, someone who just served. Didn't, have a, didn't need a position, didn't, wasn't looking for a promotion. He just served. That's a huge statement there, isn't it? These verses are just full of direction for you and I in how to live. And so, that's, that's what he did. And then, he lived in obedience. So, he, he was willing to do that. This is his attitude. I don't need a position. I don't need a title. I'll just come here. I'll do. And here's what Jesus said. I do whatever the Father tells me to do. He wants me to do that? I'll do it. He wants me to go to the cross? I'll go. I do whatever he tells me to do. And so, verse 8 says... He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Well, hold it. If I obey, I should get all the benefits of obedience, shouldn't I? Do you understand that sometimes when you obey God, you don't always get an immediate reward? Well, God, I did what's right. I just don't understand why it's not working out. I've talked to people like that all the time. Well, pastor, you know what? I did this and this, and, and now it doesn't seem to be working. Hold it. You did what was right. Let it go. Obedience could take you to a cross. 
we think obedience should take us to a promotion. Right? You know? No, you, you die to self, so you live to God. Well, I'm willing to serve wherever God has me. You know, and I don't always get to choose where we'll serve. We don't get to be in charge. We don't get to... You see, people who think they get to boss sometimes get to be difficult people to be with. And so, he lived in this obedience. This is one of the principles that he tried to get across to his disciples time and time and time again. Let me take you through a little scenario. In Matthew chapter 20, there's uh, this story where James and John, sons of Zebedee, and their mother come to Jesus. How many of you know that's usually not a good scenario? And so mom and the boys walk up to Jesus and mom speaks. (laughs) Yes, mom. Yes, mom. And she says, well, you know what? When you come into your kingdom, when you're on the throne, when you're ruling over everything, would you let one boy sit on the right and one sit on the left? Would you just let them have that position? And Jesus says, do you know what you're asking? Oh, yeah, this is what we want. It's what we need. Now, let's pick it up in verse 24. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Why? I should be on the side of Jesus, not them, right? They're not indignant that they asked. They're indignant that they beat him to the punch. And so, I, I want that. And, you know, that, that shouldn't be for them. That should be for me. And Jesus has to call them together, and he says, guys, come on. You know what the rulers in this world, how they lord it over people, and, and the officials flaunt their authority, and how many times they talk about the Pharisees who think they're so much, and they want to be seen, and we heard, and how many and he says, you know, you see how this is, guys, don't you? And he says, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. You want to sit next to me? Start serving. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. (laughs) What? For even the Son of Man came to be served, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's Jesus on his way to the cross. And what happens? Hey, when you defeat everything, when you get in your position, your authority, we're going to be right there next to you, aren't we? We can sit right next to you, right? And the other ten, yeah, yeah, no, that should be for us. And Jesus says, look, guys, you're looking at it the wrong way, and you're asking the wrong things. Later, not that much later, but a little later, Jesus gathers them together in the upper room. They're having that last meal, the last Passover. And John tells us that, I love this, he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return from God. You can only serve when you really know who you are. 
the people who want to be on top are insecure and don't understand who they are in Christ. Servants know who they are. They can serve. People can take advantage of them. That's okay. God will take care of me. They'll go the extra mile. It's okay. God will give me what I need. Whole nother attitude, right? So then, you know, he, he gets up from the table. He, he knows this. He knows this is going to happen. He knows. I, I, I can tell you this, guys, because I know. So what's he do? He gets up from the table. He wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. You know the story. And Peter says, oh, no, you're not going to wash my feet. That isn't going to happen. And, you know, no, no, Lord, no. And Peter says, Jesus says, look, you don't understand. Someday you're going to have to do this, and you'll never wash my feet. And if I don't wash your feet, he says, you don't belong to me. Why? Peter, if you're that prideful, you're not one of mine. Peter, if you're that arrogant to think you can't humble yourself to let somebody do this for you, you're not being the person I need you to be. Peter kind of, I think, hangs his head and says, well, wash my hands, my head as well, not just my feet. And, you know, and so he does all of that. And Now think about this. When he's washing their feet, Judas is there. Judas gets his feet washed. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? And they said, yes, that when you go and leave, we are to have foot washing services in the church. No, that's not what he's saying, is it? (laughs) Now, you have to understand something. In the Jewish culture... No Hebrew, not even a slave, could be asked to wash someone's feet. It was strictly a voluntary thing. It was that bemeaning. And so, he says, look, you know what I'm doing? You call me teacher, Lord, you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord... Since I have, and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is not about foot washing. Now notice what he says. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. The message is always the most important. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Guys, you're here to serve. You're not here to rule. You're not here to lord it over. You want position. You want authority. You want titles. That's not what this is about. I want you to learn how to serve people. Because until you learn to serve people, you're not going to be able to serve me. And he gives them the picture. And he tells them what it's about and how it has to be done. That's humility. That's the attitude you and I are to have. That's pretty clear, isn't it? We do, we do have one question. Okay. And it's not surprising because it's what 
a lot of people struggle with. How do you let go of your attitude when someone hurts or offends you? Well, first of all, if somebody hurts or offends you, so what? Did they hurt and offend Jesus? Sure. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be the... If you want the gentle, nice counselor, talk to Pastor Steve. For me, get over it. It's done. It's over. You go on and you keep serving. You see, we're a people, we're good at serving until somebody does something we don't like or they hurt us. And then if I get my feelings hurt, I'm done. I don't think that's what a Christian does. If you're good to serve, you're going to get hurt. You're not going to get to do everything you want. Things aren't going to go like you like them to all the time. But you keep serving with the right attitude. God says, look, you get hurt, that's fine. I got hurt too. They, they killed me. They haven't killed you yet. We'll read about that in a moment. Keep going. See, there's this idea that, well, if I serve, people will appreciate me and I'll never get hurt. Grow up. Because you have to put on the big boy pants to serve. That's what Christians do. You want to be kinder and gentler? No, I think you're exactly right. I would simply say this in the kinder, gentler way. Okay, go ahead. We are, we are such slaves to our feelings. Yeah that what we have to do is let our spirit inform our feelings that we give grace, something that's not deserved, right. and, and feelings, you're just going to have to get better about right. this. And after a while, they do. That's why forgiveness becomes so critical. Yes, it is. Whether they ask or not. All right. Leave the future in God's hands. That's where we come to this. So he did all of that. He taught that. It's what he wanted to get across. It's why he came. I came to die, but I came to teach you how to serve, and I'll set the example for it so that you'll learn to do it. You see, we make Christianity about me when it's about us. Therefore, because he had that attitude, because he was willing to be that way, because that's what he did, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. Because he was willing to be obedient, because he was willing to suffer, because he was willing to die, God exalts him. You don't humble yourself so that you'll be exalted. You humble yourself because you know that's where God wants you, and He will take care of you, and you do this because you love God and want to serve people. Exaltation does not come quickly. I have to be willing to die to self so that I can live for God. Here's what Hebrews says. How do we keep going in this walk? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, the one we're to imitate. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all, here it is, all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and get offended and give up. 
this is so clear, and yet we struggle with it so much, don't we? Your attitude should be the same one that Jesus Christ had. James chapter 4, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. So if this is the attitude of Christ, and I must have that attitude, will I? If He can do it, He set the example, He put the bar up there, but that's how you and I are to live. Your attitude must be the same that Jesus Christ demonstrated. Not an option. The enemy will do everything he can. If he can't keep you from being a Christian, he'll do everything he can to keep you from being effective. He'll do everything he can to make you selfish and just think about you. He'll do everything he can to keep you from serving, from humbling yourself. Because he knows the power in service. The world tries to get to the top. But Christians take a step aside and are willing to go to the bottom, knowing that if we'll be faithful, God will be faithful. And in the future, one day, there's great joy ahead. And that's what we live for. So how are you doing that? How is your attitude tonight? Lord, verses we're fairly familiar with and we know about, verses we've read before, verses that are really difficult to put into place. And yet, you tell us this isn't an option your disciples had a hard time grabbing it. You demonstrated it to them in several ways. Help us to understand and to have the attitude that Christ had. And so as we go from this place tonight, we go to live in that attitude. Thank you for the joy that is ours in doing this. In thy name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.